Storehouse Dallas. Like my wife and I, we love to go to restaurants. We will, uh, but we see crazy stuff happen in restaurants. And, you know, that's, we love that. We love just watching God show up. I might as well just share one story about my wife and I on date nights. Um, <clears throat> we go on a weekly date night, been doing it for 13 years. Well, really been doing it for 15 years. And, uh, and we love, we just love our weekly date nights of getting together. And, and we, we go to Moonstone. If you ever go to Reading, you should probably go to Moonstone. It's our best restaurant. And, uh, and so anyways, we, I was leaving for Australia. This is like, I don't know, two or three years ago, maybe three years ago. I was leaving for Australia, and we wanted to do this date night. And, it's, you know, always the date night before leaving for an international trip is always, like, very special, you know, investing in the equity. And you know, when you go out to dinner in Reading, you usually you got to go out to dinner, and you'll see about 30 of your closest friends. So we wanted to just have some like more alone time. So we went and got something to go and we went to the uh, Sundial Bridge and there's like your immediate parking lot. And then there's another parking lot down the way that usually people aren't parking there, especially if it's at night or in the evening. And so anyways, we get down there and the parking lot's full. Then we go to the next one and the parking lot's pretty empty. And so we're sitting there, we're getting out our food, we're having this awesome, like, intimate date night, and, uh, you know, we're, we're getting ready to go after eating, going to take a nice walk, and this lady decides to park her car. She has hundreds of options on where to park, and she decides to park right beside us. And I'm like, what is she thinking? It's date night. Like, like my golly, there's so many other spots that you could choose. And I was like, honey, what do you want to do? Should we leave? Should we, you know? And I thought to myself, wait a second. This is like too much of a coincidence that it's not a coincidence that she would choose to park. Like this is fish jumping in the boat. Like we have to pray for her. We have to pray for her. So, so she, you know, pulled up next to Julie at the passenger side. And so I rolled down Julie's window and I get her to roll down hers. And I said, excuse me, I just want to let you know we're on date night right now. And we're eating and we're enjoying ourselves. And you decided to park right next to us. And at first she was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We think it's totally God that you would decide to park right here. We want to pray for you. And uh, right then I was like, did you have an accident about three months ago and you have pain in the back of your neck and in your upper back? And she's like, yeah. And I said, when you were five years old, you watched uh, this documentary on Africa uh, in your living room, uh, sitting on the floor, you watch a documentary in Africa, and you've been wanting to go to Africa ever since. And it's one of your callings, like God has called you to go to Africa. She just starts weeping. She begins to tell us, I came here to commit suicide. I came here, uh, I woke up this morning and I told God, if you're real, you need to send someone to me. You need to, you know, give me a sign that you are real. Give me a sign or else I, at 10 o'clock tonight, I'm going to throw myself from the Sundial Bridge and, and just commit suicide. I'm, I'm going to cut my wrist and throw myself down the Sundial Bridge. And I'm like, wow, okay, well, here we go. So I'm like, you're called to Africa. Like, you're going to, we're doing a commissioning service right now. And so we just threw, you know, money her direction. I'm like, hey, do you have a passport? She says, no. And I'm like, well, we are investing in your dreams. And, and we're, you're called to Africa. And so we just start, we, you have to use this money for a passport. And she just is weepy. And like, God knows me, this whole deal. And the suicide thing gets broken off. And she gets healed of a neck injury. And so that was date night. That was uh, that's a fun date night. 
There's a there's a lot of times like Julia and I will go to restaurants and and we'll order our food and Julia will, has this amazing impeccable timing to use the restroom when our food you know comes and which is a really really big I mean now I've given you some context uh, for my lifestyle and what I was raised with you don't you, you don't leave not only you know hot food in front of me like I have two different meals like I have options now like. <laughs> You know, I get to have almost like a buffet kind of experience. And I'm waiting for Julia. I'm trying to be like a good husband. And I'm like waiting, like looking down where the bathrooms are. Like, where is she? And then suddenly, sometimes this will happen. Like, there'll be one of two things will happen. You know, I'll either see the door open and close. And Julia, like literally one of the times, I like the door opens. And I see Julia on her knees with this lady on the ground. And she's, Julia's taking her through deliverance in the bathroom. So I'm like, what the, you know, I'm like, well, I can't get mad at her for that. You know, like this is kind of what we signed up for, you know, our whole lives. And, and then there'll be another time when I'll, I'll be like looking during the bathroom and then I'll notice like, whoa, like I'll hear people crying or hear people, you know, something's happening and I'll, in the restaurant and I'll look over and it's Julia praying for people like in, you know, other tables. And I'm like, well, I guess, you know, like that, those are decisions where I'll be like, well, I guess I'm not eating hot food right now. And I'm going to go join her because this is what I've given my life for. And that this is what we love in our intimacy that fruit follows that, you know, that it's, it's not, it's a lifestyle. It's not just, you know, ministry, the ministry card. It's a lifestyle of watching God show up. And how awesome is that to have God show up in your marriage while you're just hanging out, having fun together. And uh, it makes for a very dynamic, you know, relationship having God show up in the middle of date night or in the middle of anywhere that he has permission to show up anywhere at any time. And, uh, and so anyways, and it's actually, I guess I'll just hit on this. I wasn't planning on talking about any of this, but inconvenience, inconvenience is huge in the kingdom that that for you to recognize inconvenience, offense, um, offense, inconvenience, that those are invitations from heaven to have for a spirit of promotion. You guys okay? <laughs> you're crying out for more of God. And the moment you get inconvenience is actually your opportunity for breakthrough. Uh, I have crazy ways of spiritual warfare. Uh, I, I love spiritual warfare because I get to see God show up and, uh, and we get to kill giants. So it's good to, it's good to kill giants. You know, it's a uh, bill had this prophetic song ever since Weaverville that formed, uh, about this whole thing about never going to bed with uh, blood, not being on your sword. And so, you know, obviously we do a lot of different, yeah, I know that sounded really intense, didn't it? <laughs> I just went from date night to not letting there, you know, not to be blood on your sword. Uh, you know, that, that, that's, a, that's a bummer of a day when you go to bed with a clean sword. But anyways, <laughs> but there's many ways of spiritual warfare, right? Like, you know, and that there's many ways that we move in, in, in spiritual warfare. I don't know why I'm talking about this, but I'm talking about it. And I feel like I need to hit something. But, uh, but there is moments of inconvenience. You know, there's moments where I've seen, I remember this one lady came from Texas. She had breast cancer and 
me and Joaquin Evans, we prayed for, and this is, you know, before we had ministries and the whole deal, we were school ministry students, and we would just pray for everything that moves. You know, she came to the Friday night service, we prayed for about a good five hours, and then, uh, and then we didn't have healing rooms at that time, so we didn't see her on Saturday, took the day off. And Sunday morning, we saw her for the first service, prayed with her from the first service, the second service, into about like 2.30, 3 o'clock. No breakthrough, nothing happening from 8 a.m. to like 3. So we got like seven hours on, then we prayed five hours. So we prayed like a good 12, 14 hours for this lady to get healed. And, uh, and so anyways, we, we're hungry, you know, we decided let's go to a Mexican place and I was dating my wife, uh, at the time. And so me and her, Joaquin, a couple of my other friends, we go to this Mexican restaurant and mm, this burrito comes, man, I just have this subject matter of food. This burrito comes and it is so glorious. It is just like, you know, burrito and, you know, I mean, it's like heaven in burrito form, you know, like it's just, it's got cilantro, it's got pepper. Anyways, um, so I'm about ready to bite into it. And this lady walks in from Texas, her and her husband. And then right after them is my parents. And my dad goes, Chad, Julia, I didn't know you guys were here. Have you met this couple from Texas? They're here to get healed of breast cancer. I think, Chad, you should pray for her. And I was like thinking in my head, like, no, no, no. Where have you been, you know, for 14 hours? Like, like I have been pushing and contending. Like, I haven't seen you pushing. Like, maybe this is your moment to push. Like, I am hitting, like, the ministry, you know, checkout. Like, I'm here for sustainability. I'm here for longevity. I don't want to burn out. I don't want to be like the William Branham. Like, you know, like, like, tag, you're it. And I hear the Lord say, Chad, didn't you tell me anywhere, anytime that I have permission to show up in your life anywhere, anytime? And I'm like, dang. And I just put the burrito aside. And me and Joaquin just lay hands on her. And we've laid hands on her, like, you know, for 14 hours. Like, we're going through all the different prayers, all the different things that you would do. Did you forgive that horse that, like, you know, when you were three years old? Like, you know, just, just checking off the list. And, and, and you would think, like, the conditions were perfect, you know, right? Like, like, we're in the sanctuary of Bethel where cancer bows to Jesus weekly. You know, you had Bill Johnson decreeing like these heavenly, you know, these, these healing, you know, the, the angel of the Lord is here. He's healing people with cancer. Brian Johnson strumming the guitar, releasing like healing, you know, waves of, you know, healing sounds. Like, like the conditions were right. And here we are in the Mexican restaurant, like, you know, and so we, we just lay hands on her and we didn't do anything different. And suddenly she had some friends that decided to manifest some Klingons and, and, and they didn't really manifest in any other time, but at this, you know, Mexican restaurant. And so she starts like screaming and we're just like, okay, this is, this is good. You know, like, like people are coming out from the kitchen and they're like looking like what in the world's happening. And, uh, and so, uh, anyways, we decided to pray in the opposite spirit, like God just crash in with joy. You know, just crash in with joy, just crash in with your love. And then she starts getting drunk in the spirit. And she starts laughing like crazy. And while she's laughing, her uh, tumor, uh, her uh, breast cancer dissolves. She gets fully healed. And, and then we start praying. Like other people are like, hey, we want that. And we start praying for people. And while this is happening, the manager of the restaurant is next to the hostess table. And he's like, what is happening in my restaurant? He says that out loud. What is happening in my restaurant? 
And the hostess, he didn't know this, was a first-year school ministry student. And she goes, well, um, God's just touching that lady. Oh, look at that. She's getting hit with the joy of the Lord. You know, like the Lord's touching her right now. And, and look, the Lord's touching that guy. And, and so, and then, then the hostess just, you know, is like t- kind of giving him the play-by-play deal. And the manager goes, you know, I drink alcohol because I'm depressed. I sleep with girls because I'm trying to fill a void that I can't figure out how to fill. And the hostess goes, well, that's easy. That's Jesus. Jesus will be the only one that would fill. So she leads her boss to the Lord. And it was a lot of fun. You know, she came back to Texas, found out she's cancer-free. It was amazing. And uh, I I love that. I mean, there's moments, you know, of inconvenience or there's moments where the enemy, you know, comes and, you know, I have like I don't know what this is, but I'm just going to keep going with this theme of food. But I, I remember once I went through a crazy spiritual warfare season where um, it started like this. Uh, I, I went out to eat with a bunch of pastors. This is back. This is a long time ago. This is 2000, oof, 2007. And I went out to eat with a bunch of pastors. And I was one of the first ones to order. And then all the food comes out except for mine. And I'm like, hey, what is going on? And they're like, oh, we lost your, like, ticket. Like, we didn't even, we didn't even, we didn't even make your food. And so they had to, like, go back to the kitchen to make, our, make my food. And then my food came when, like, everyone was leaving. And I was like, this is really, like, you know, inconvenient, ridiculous. But I didn't think much of it, you know. And so I'm like, okay. And then that night I spoke at a church. And I was like, oh, I'm kind of hungry. I'm going to go to In-N-Out. And so I went to In-N-Out, and they got the little timer clock, you know, deal. And, and so I am order my food, really easy. It's 1130 at night. And the little clock guy is at, like, 13 minutes. And I'm like, man, where are these people? You know, this is In-N-Never come out. Like, what in the world is going on? And, and so, like, it's like 16 minutes, 17 minutes. And I'm like you know what, this is the devil. This is spiritual warfare. Like it was at that moment that I realized I'm in spiritual warfare. Like, like the devil, this is, this is Satan. I mean, he's stealing my time. He, he's not letting me get, like, I, I need to get my food. You know, like, like this, is, this is ridiculous. And so I'm like, okay, you know, this is, this is not right. And I'm like praying the next day, like, okay, what am I, what am I supposed to do, God? What do you want me to do? And, and that, again, I ministered the next day. And I was just like, hey, I just want to go. I'm going to go test this out. I'm going to go get some French fries, edit it out. So I just went to go get French fries. And I go in the, you know, order my deal and I'm, I'm in the window, I see the clock. It's now like 11 minutes. And I'm like, this is, this is spiritual. This is the devil. And I see the guy like sweeping and I'm like, dude, do you want me to go back there and shave the potatoes myself? Like, like you guys got to throw them in some vegetable oil. Like it's really, really easy. Just want some French fries and they're cleaning. And I'm like, what in the world's happening? I said, this is not, not, this isn't, this is ends. So this couple, like they looked like they were like on their second or third date. The guy didn't look like he was fully confident, like, you know, to put his hand on her back and all that stuff. Like, you know, you kind of watch the body language, but, but anyways, all that to say is they're walking out and out and I'm like, they're going to get healed. I don't even know if they have an injury. And I just, I'm like, you know what? I didn't even get a word knowledge. I'm like, there's one of you guys that have pain in your back. And I, like, I didn't hear anything. I just was like, hey, I'm just calling out a body part at this point. 
And I'm like, one of you has pain in your back. And she goes, no, I'm good. And the guy's like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. And she looks at him and goes, what? You, you couldn't even sit down like without like complaining about your back being in pain. And he looks at me like, thanks a lot, buddy. Like I'm trying to be like the, you know, put together guy here. And so I'm like, okay, hey, we're just, you put your hand on his back. And so she puts, I'm in the drive through window, like I'm, I'm in the car and they're walking out. And I'm like, you put your hand on his back. And I just prayed like a short, simple, powerful prayer. And I'm like, okay, check out your back. He's like, well, I wouldn't know unless I'm sitting. And I'm like, well, sit on the curb. And so he sits on the curb and right when he sits on the curb and he goes, oh my gosh, all the pain in my back is gone. And then the guy goes, here's your French fries, sir. And I'm like, yeah, that's destroying the devil right there. That's how you end spiritual warfare. And so the next day, I, I contacted a bunch of pastors. and like, hey, let's go get lunch. And we went and got lunch, and I ordered last. I made, it, made sure to order last. And my food came out first. And I was like, okay, spiritual warfare is done. You know, but, but that is, it's, it's, it's this place of worship. It's this place of advancing the kingdom, healing, you know, the prophetic is that, you, you know, you're not a victim. You're not going, man, what's all this stuff? Or the enemy isn't like big devil, you know, like it's, it's, he's never, ever threatened God before. And if he is for you, who can be against you? He's living inside of you. Jesus. So anyways, um, we have some resources in the back. That was me just saying hi to everybody. Uh, the Risk Factor is an amazing book. Uh, it's an incredible book. My dad and I wrote, Bill and Heidi did the foreword for it. And uh, it is an amazing book on how to take risk and how to step into the kingdom. And uh, John Wimber would say that you would spell faith R-I-S-K. And, uh, and I have a whole chapter when I was a junior high pastor, crazy stuff happened, like kids walking on water and beach baptisms and the whole crazy deal. And, you know, they would, we decorated our youth room with empty crutches and wheelchairs. And it was all the kids. Like we had a two and a half month season where we documented. And honestly, we kind of just stopped documenting, which was not the smart move. But anyways, uh, for two and a half months, we documented over 150 legs grow out. And it was all the junior high kids. Like, it was all the junior high kids praying for people at Walmart, praying for people at Target, and watching legs grow out, like wheelchairs donated to Walmart, all this and stuff. So, anyways, there's a couple cool stories in there about them, and uh, it was pretty awesome. Walking the Supernatural is another book that uh, I helped write with uh, Bill and Benny and, and Chris Valentin and Danny Silk. They're, you know, it's just like our Bethel core values, and uh, an amazing, amazing book, Jesus. So, yeah, you get those. I have... Um, I gotta let these guys come up here and just like release something. You guys, you guys want to release something? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Okay, come on over here, Julie. It, you just, we'll just go, just, just, just popcorn it. Just, just go for it. Cool. Um, yeah. What I was feeling last night and feeling this morning is that God is releasing um, a spirit of sonship and of daughtership. Um, over this body. I think it's something you actually already carry, but it's going to be upgraded and brought to a new level. Um, and I felt like um, actually people, their identity was going to be written from um, seeing yourself as a worker under God, and you're going to see yourself as a son or a daughter that when you serve the Lord, it would come out of the overflow of your heart and out of love as opposed to feeling like you're a slave. Um, and so I just release over you um, all of you, that you are a son and you are a daughter. You are highly, highly loved. You are favored. You have complete access. 
Yeah, and that and that what you do when you serve the Lord really would come from this place of overflow. Um, it would come from this place of knowing where you stand before the Father. Yeah, and so we just release that in Jesus' name. Hi, so this morning um, I was just kind of praying in the shower and um, just processing some stuff and um, I'm kind of, God's like taking me through this season right now where I'm just like contemplating a lot of stuff and we're graduating, Julie and I, our third year in school ministry. And um, you can start to like, what is my destiny? What is this? What is my call? And all of this. And um, I feel like God's just pulling me, this is tied into the word, um, pulling me into just like contemplating how simple the gospel is. And I was praying this morning and I just, I kept hearing the word or well, I just found out in my heart. I was like, Lord, I just want to be obedient. And um, when you said that word this morning, I was like, okay, God, this is what you're doing. And I just feel like releasing this over you um, that like I, what I was seeing this morning in worship is that there's going to be creativity like breaking through in this church and that you guys are going to start to move in the gifts. And I actually feel like this church carries um, something for um, signs and wonders. Um, but I also think that it needs to be tied to his love and that he, you like that he is your first love. And so like making it really simple. And so I would love for all of you, if you'd like to put your hand on your heart, I just want to release this to you that, Lord, just um, thank you that you're our first love and that it's so simple. It's about love. It's about loving others and everything is birthed out of that place out of because you love us first and um, that we can love others. And that, um, Lord, I just ask that you release an obedience just tied to your love. Yeah, Lord, make us obedient to what you're doing. And it's nothing other than that of like where your heart is. Yeah, it's about the simple gospel. It's just about what you've done for us. Dying on the cross is so simple. And make it simple, Lord. And I thank you for where you're taking this church. I thank you, Lord, that um, it's limitless. But it's also very simple. It's just about you. Thank you, Lord. Right. I'm a preacher, so if you have to take the microphone away from me, it's totally cool. Um, so I had a word for Tracy. Uh, when you're up there, when you, I saw a ship in a bottle, and I saw the ship coming out of the bottle and turning full size and on the, on the open seas. So that was for you. Um, and I kept seeing pictures of you two like a, like a talk show, like, God TV style thing. So I don't, you know, I just keep seeing it. So I was like, okay, I'll say it. Fine. It's out, it's out there. It's out there. In the, it's, out there. it's out there. Get it out. Just come out. So uh, who, I just, there's a grace on, um, I think right now we just kind of got through a school, but who feels like sometimes the pressure to like, okay, I've got to be obedient. I've got to do something for God. And almost you feel this awkward pressure to like, want to be a voice and want to prophesy or heal, but you feel like it's, you're being pushed from behind sometimes. Like, I want to do that, but it's kind of like a 
awkward or struggled to do that in public? Is that just me or is that anybody else? Okay, some honest people. Thank you. Um, and uh, to tack on to what yeah, Carrie. To, for, 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 for me, like when I get in that place, when I'm feeling that, I, I feel like the church is getting to a place. I saw this, uh, this place of first, first love kind of birthing in our spirit of like the love of God. And sometimes when we struggle with that, it's just we don't need to actually do anything unless you have a super clear word from God. It's like letting that love kind of go from your spirit through your soul till it's an overflow. And it's like from the overflow of God's love for you and that security and identity, it mo- it's just natural. It happens naturally. And sometimes when you feel that pressure, it's okay. I just think God's calling you to a deeper place to feel his love till it just drips out of you. And when you're lovesick, like when you're totally in love, it's like you can't help but to tell people about who you're in love with, you, you know. And, and it's okay. So I just feel like God's releasing a grace. He's, um, you know, if you want to be resurrected, you got to die. <laughs> so resurrection power comes on dead people only. So sometimes, you know, we just have to surrender. Like, and, and there's a, a beautiful place of surrender and dying. And I just felt like that love of God is actually what resurrects us. When you feel that awkward pressure, just just die, just surrender, just let him love on you first. It's, it's about you, your heart first. And some people will have that weird, I feel selfish, like, because I'm letting God love on me. I'm like, that's just, that's the spirit of stupid. Just kid, just let God love on you first. Cause you're only going to recreate who you are and what's your experience. You can only give away what you have. So the more you get of the love of God and his just identity, you can pour that out on others. Right. And uh, the last verse, just a verse that God's speaking this morning, it's, um, it's uh, out of Galatians 2.16. It says, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even that we have believed in Jesus Christ. So God wants to take us from faith in Jesus to having the faith of Jesus. So that's, that's like a drop the microphone deal right there. Yeah. Um, okay. So I am going to, you guys have 20 more minutes at least 20 more minutes. Okay. So I'm going to talk about dreaming with God. I'm going to talk about the prophetic, a prophetic culture and dreamers. Uh, I'm going to share a video with you guys, which kind of came out of a dream. And I was with you guys, I think it was last summer, I was with you guys. And I talked about the Jesus People Movement, learning the language of heaven and how to articulate it to a generation that's never heard the gospel in their language. I talked about that a little bit. Um, and, uh, and just this like kind of next Jesus People Movement. So uh, anyways, I had a dream and I, I'm about ready to watch a video where I share this dream. But, um, but I really feel like the Lord, and I said this last night as like a corporate deal, but the Lord really wants to ignite and activate your guys' dream life. And, uh, and, and really, you know, having dreams at night and having, you know, visions and, and God giving you assignments. And I'm going to talk a little bit about like not despising the day of small beginnings, how to steward your dreams, how to cultivate friends that believe in your dreams. And, uh, even when they're really, really crazy. Um, but anyways, before I get ahead of myself, let's watch this video. And, uh, I love this video because we, I talked about it a little bit. And now it's like coming into fruition, which is pretty awesome. So this, 
we did a video and we did an outreach and um, while they're getting it ready, which I, I think they're ready to pull the trigger at any moment, but, but uh, uh, um, <clears throat> we did like a soft launch for this deal and we're about ready to launch, you know, our big launch is in the middle of August with like Heidi Baker and United Pursuit guys where uh, we're going around doing prayer meetings and evangelism outreaches out in the ocean and the beach. Meaning like we go and take stand-up paddle boards right beyond the waves and we just start worshiping and just, you know, bringing our guitars out in the ocean. And and people are like, what is happening? Like, can we join you? Is this something spiritual? Is this church? Like, we want to, you know, we saw, uh, we, we saw seven people get saved. I mean, it was like really, we had brought two school ministry students with us. So this next, like, like we had a pretty small team. I just wanted to see what would work, what would, wouldn't work. Like, you know, there's kind of R&D in this thing. But it was like so many aha moments and so many people on the beach were like, yeah, like we want more of this. And, uh, and so anyways, there is this whole thing that's happening in, in uh, not just in California or America, but I was just in Australia and uh, it's crazy. There is a wave of prayer that's happening that it, it's, there's this, you know, just awakening of prayer, just me meeting with all these people that are like just the last couple of years of going into this whole deep thing of intercession. And I'm like, wow, there's something pretty awesome that I'm not just experiencing by myself, but finding others that are experiencing the same thing. So this is uh, our promo video for Catch the Wave. I believe that prayer isn't restricted just to the four walls of the church, that we're called to pray without ceasing that all of creation is groaning for the revealing of the sons of God. And so there's something about getting outside. There's something about movement and prayer. There's, there's a movement happening and, and it's, it's a movement of prayer, intercession and evangelism. And there's a harvest that's about ready to be opened. I wanna tell you about a dream that I had where I was stand up paddle boarding Big Sur and in Central California, and I saw these two angels come down from heaven with paddles. And they began to stir the waters around me, and I began to spin in a circle, and suddenly the air that I was breathing turned into healing. And this cloud of healing began to form, and it began to go over California, then over America. And then I got awoken from the dream by hearing God's voice tell me, Chad, I want you to pray for California and America. And how I want you to do that is I want you to go down the coast of California and pray and that you would put on prayer meetings in all the major cities, that you would uh, begin to uh, get the spirit of unity going with all the churches, and also begin to marry evangelism and prayer together. So we'll be doing beach outreaches, we'll be doing uh, prayer meetings out in the water, and, uh, and I just wanna encourage you, just come and join us. Grab your kayak, grab your stand-up paddleboard, grab your surfboard, come and pray with us, come and hang out with us. We're gonna be doing community days at the beach, and so I just wanna encourage you, Come, get outside, and pray with us. So, yeah, that, that was a goat. If you're wondering, that was a goat. And um, it's one of my good friends and one of Nick and I's good friends. And uh, But anyways, um, yeah, this is, this is what we're getting ready to launch uh, and begin to, you know, just put on prayer meetings and, and really marry prayer and evangelism. But, uh, but this came from a dream. And sometimes when you get dreams from God, mandates from God, you know, like I remember Chris Valton telling me once, Chad, when you are in a season of like a few weeks or, you know, 
a couple months and you get a specific word, detailed word, and you get it like three times or more, you need to know that God's like peppering you, reminding you, because this is going to be a word that you have to fight for. And there's sometimes we get words that we have to fight for that we need to put a stake in the ground and say, I'm willing to die for this word. You know, I'm willing to die to see this word come into fruition. And, you know, that right when I had this dream, a month later, I broke my clavicle in a road biking accident, uh, went over the handlebars, the whole deal, and clavicle out and had to do surgery uh, 5%. I love being in, like, the top 1% of things, like running a marathon, you know, 1% of the population of the world has done that. Uh, night surfing, I think less than 1% of the population has done that. But, uh, but I love doing stuff like that, and that was, uh, <laughs> that, that was in the top population there right there uh not not only five percent of those that break the clavicle do the surgery and so I had to do the surgery I broke in five places and they put a steel rod and the whole deal and it was pretty you know it was pretty traumatic and they say it takes a year so I was like man like I can't can't step into this dream and you know there was these moments of doubt or moments of like I don't know like I've never had a shoulder injury I always had knee injuries and and like, it was just a whole game changer of like wow I don't know if I'm physically going to be able to paddle the state of California it's 850 miles. And, uh, and I'm like, no, I'm breaking off fear. I'm breaking off doubt. Like this is what I was born to do. And, and you know, you have to do something like I had to do physical therapy. I had to, you know, the, uh, I, I have like these little things that I do where I went to Hawaii and, uh, and, and I was like, okay, I'm not leaving here until I do, I get a hundred waves. You know, so I'll do stuff like that. And uh, and then I went and surfed Waimea, which is this really, I have this buddy, uh, you know Kavika, right? Kavika took me to Waimea when it was breaking. Waimea is a big wave uh, spot. And um, anyways, we surfed uh, 40-foot waves, and I got a hernia. And so that wasn't fun. But anyways, so I had, so I, I basically have had uh, two surgeries in the last, you know, well, in a span of about a year, I had two surgeries. And so I've recovered from those, and <laughs> thank God. And, uh, and now I'm ready to start stand-up paddleboarding, uh, the whole deal. But it is. It's um, stewarding your dreams. You know, like it's so interesting that Tracy spoke on this last night. And, and then you have this, like, on the back of your wall, you know, desire fulfilled is the tree of life that, you know, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And I've actually seen people that need to be physically healed of heart conditions because they let hope deferred come in. You know, that, that uh, I've seen people with, you know, blocked arteries. I've seen people that have heart palpitations, the whole deal. And the moment that hope gets restored, they get completely healed. And, uh, and so I've seen it. I've seen it operate like in the natural and the physical, hope deferred. And, uh, and then also it's been just my journey with the Lord of cultivating, you know, dreams, the recognizing the desires that God has authored, you know, in me. And that, um, and I feel like the Lord is really breaking a, a, a really religious spirit that I grew up in the church. I know what sacrifice looks like. We talked about obedience. Obedience is huge. Sacrifice is huge that, uh, but I, I, when 
my parents got called in the ministry, like we moved from the suburbs of Southern California to the ghetto of Southern California, and we moved into a condemned house, and that's how we started our church. We moved into a condemned house. Um, I saw a bunch of shootings. I saw this one girl stab her boyfriend in the neck and kill him, like, and I was 11 years old, you know, like, I was like, wow, welcome to ministry, you know, like, it was pretty, you know, nuts. Like, we had, I, I shouldn't go down this way, but but my parents were pastors, and it was pretty fun. It was called Church 24-7 for a reason. Like it was church 24 seven. They, they, we had about 10 people live at our house, anywhere from five to 10 people live at our house. And, uh, um, we had UFC fighters that were our ushers. Then we actually needed them, which was pretty crazy, which I could tell you more stories about that. But anyways, uh, <clears throat> the day we moved out, which was, we, we lived in the house for a year. The day we moved out, they bulldozed the house down. You know, like, like I remember being at Brownsville uh, when I was 18 and people would argue who was going to be the first martyr of the school that, uh, you know, and I, I grew up in the missions movement. Like I understand sacrifice. I understand the messages of the brown robe and lay down your life and serve. And like, that's amazing. I love that. And I feel like what, what has happened though, is we've taken John 15, 13, the greatest manifestation of love is that we lay down our life for our friends and the religious spirit would get you to focus on laying down your life. That's not the focus of that scripture. The focus is that you lay down your life for your friends, meaning that the focus is friendship. The focus is that you have so much equity, so much intimacy in that relationship that when sacrifice is required, it's easy because we're withdrawing from the equity of the relationship. It's all about friendship. So this place, like, God doesn't give you dreams to tease you. He gives you dreams to invite you into relationship with him. And you need dreams so big that God has to be involved in the equation. That you need dreams so big that your own giftings, your own talent, your own, you know, ability can't get you there. You actually need God to be involved. And that's dependency. That's relationship. Is that you get to do this with him. Like he so loves the journey. Jesus. Like, I've had dreams at night, and I've had daydreams about creative miracles. You know, that, that I've had dreams, like, you know, of missing body parts coming back. And God's not up in heaven going, okay, Gabriel, let's give him another missing body parts dream. Break out the popcorn. He'll never see this. Oh, look at that. He's walking in the grocery store. There's a lady that's missing like a toe and he's going to see her and he's going to try to pray for her. And he'll never see it. Oh, this is so awesome. That's not our dad. He's inviting us into relationship with him. He's inviting into this place of dreaming with him that it's so much fun. And it's, I've, it's been amazing to be privileged with that dream of creative miracles of seed like, I saw a guy with no eyeballs in India get brand new eyes. I saw a guy in San Diego uh, get his, he had his thumb cut off from a lawn mowing accident and he had two years of no thumb. And me and my dad prayed for him and his thumb grew back. And then we told the students, the ministry school students, all right, we, we, we got the thumb back. Now you need to pray for the thumbnail. So they all watched his thumbnail grow like halfway and then it stopped. And then it grew naturally from there. Like it took them, you know, like a week or something like that. And, um, you know, the school ministry students, they were just in the middle of the year. So we, we, they, they just, never mind. It was a joke. Um, 
But he would always like do this at restaurants that people knew him, and they're like, "What? You're like two thumbs." And um, but I love that stuff, you know. Like, but God doesn't give you dreams to tease you, you know. And and He wants to break off the whole. I mean, really, we are walking, there, there is such a wooing and invitation for the spirit of unity right now. That, that if you look at Ephesians 4 and the way that God has, you know, uh, really established and reestablished the fivefold ministry was the first function was to equip the saints, which we all now know, like Todd White, he's an evangelist. He's equipping people in evangelism. You know, Chris Fallotton, he's a prophet. He's equipping people in, in the prophetic. Well, we need to understand that that's not the end goal of the establishment of the fivefold ministry that we are in this, you know, in, in Ephesians 4, it talks about equipping the saints until we all reach the spirit of unity. So there is this spirit of unity thing that is happening that I am watching that's something that I will give my life to is a spirit of unity. And it's way bigger than breaking denominationalism. It's way bigger than bringing people together in, in, in one place, that he's breaking compartmentalization, that, you know, that you belong in this clique and you don't belong in other places. Like you're called to be an evangelist. You're called to be an intercessor. You're called to, you know, move in the prophetic, like all that stuff you're called to walk in. I mean, Paul said to desire all the spiritual gifts. Why would he exhort us to desire all the spiritual gifts if they're not all attainable? So some come more natural than others. Some are more stronger than others. But, you know, that's, that's what's so awesome about taking risk and, and beginning to grow in those other places. And, gosh, I don't have time to go into that. But anyways, I love it. And God is not, sometimes we've, we get dreams and we're dreaming and we have desires in our heart. And sometimes we dub them, this one's spiritual and this one's like a personal, you know, I just, I just love riding horses. But man, like I've got this dream and I've got these prophetic words about clearing out hospitals. And God would definitely breathe on this dream before he would breathe ever on me riding horses. And the Lord is breaking that thing where you compartmentalize and say, well, this one's more spiritual than that one. And no, 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 like he's the author of the desires of your heart. Like this is something that I've had to walk through as a, I guess, a Gen Xer um, deal is because in the 90s, we went through this like, you know, this mid-90s deal of, uh, you get you rededicate your life to the Lord and that's when you burn all your secular CDs and, and you know, and like, I gave up surfing for six months, and I remember God telling me, Chad, what are you doing? I never told you to give up surfing. And I'm like, oh, dang, okay. And, and, and that, was, that was when I was 18, you know. And, and, and so it was when I was 20, uh, as a missionary in Indonesia, I'm debriefing with God on the airplane going back to L.A. And the Lord's like, hey, what would you have done differently? And, you know, I went to like 30 islands saw crazy stuff. Uh, it was amazing. We learned about spiritual warfare in the areas of these witches, put curses on me, went to 106, went brain dead. Um, I just, a bunch of different stuff happened. Uh, shipwrecked, the, our boat went down. Uh, we were taxiing an airplane and the wing fell off. Like it was crazy. And, but um, it, was, it was nuts. Uh, anyways, I saw this demon manifest out of the jungles and eat a chicken. It was pretty crazy. And then, and then I was like, oh, it's on. It's on like Donkey Kong now. 
I said, give me your worst condition. Your, your, your gods cannot heal. My God, who's the one true God, will heal them. And it was the witch doctor's son who was 12 years old, born blind, deaf, and mute. And every time they would do their seances, uh, these demons would come. And he was like riddled with um, rheumatary arthritis where he ha- his, his joints were all disfigured because they would invite all this. Anyways, we watched him get completely healed. And his dad, who's the witch doctor, gets saved and becomes the pastor and the whole deal. So like there was stuff like that that was happening and me and God are on the plane and God's like, hey, what would you have done differently? I'm like, God, I really wish I would have surfed more. And God's like, man, I really wish you would have surfed more too because I find pleasure in you when you surf. So let me just tackle that for a second. Is um, that's a desire that God has put in my life that I have this love for the ocean. I, I, I find God in the ocean that it is one of my greatest prayer, you know, sanctuaries, one of my places where I go and connect with God, it's, it's one of my biggest open heavens. So every time that I've gone through like crazy stuff or, you know, needed counsel from the Lord, I go and surf and God will start speaking to me. And it's one like, I see crazy evangelism, I see crazy stuff happen with surfing. And it's something that I probably have taken a big hit for, you know, of like, oh, Chad, you just take invitations to the beach because you want to go surfing. You, you just got to go to Hawaii because all you want to go surfing. God's not calling you. Like, no, no, no. Like I had a significant encounter in 2002 where I was in a worship service and the father says, Chad, um, many, I, I've raised up many fathers and mothers that are going to Africa, but who will father and mother the islands? And I just started screaming, send me God, send me. Send me. And I thought that was like, yeah, Indonesia and, you know, I'm a surfer. So, like, send me to the South Pacific. Send me to Hawaii. But then I start going to places like England and Norway and Ireland. And I'm like, like crazy stuff's happening. Like, like we're talking like revival of St. Patrick's grave. I mean, we, we, there was, we went to go to St. Patrick's grave to, like, just honor what this guy has done. And then this tour bus comes. And, you know, it's all these older people. And, and, uh. And they're like, got the cameras out. This is like, this is, oh, I don't know. This is 2010, I think. Julie and I were there. And, and I was like, okay, I'm not going to like, you know, pray right now. Like this is not, it's not feeling the best, you know, like I'm like, well, we're here. They're here. We're at St. Patrick's grave. And we just started praying for people. And next thing you know, Julie and I are back to back with a line of people getting blasted. And then the tour guide goes, hey, we got to go to the next place. And like, and they're getting all healed. And they go to the next place and they ask the tour guide, who's a Protestant, what just happened? And they're like, that was Jesus. They were all Catholics. And, and they're like, what was that? And that was a Jesus we've never experienced before. Can we know that Jesus? And the Protestant tour guide leads them all to the Lord. And it was really cool. It was like a tour bus of like 60 people. And it was really, really cool. But um, all I have to say is, I don't know why I was talking about St. Patrick. I was talking about islands. Yeah, you know, you need to understand, like, when you get, like, this is another thing for the prophetic. When you get prophetic words, they are multidimensional. Sometimes we interpret them as, okay, it's going to fit in this way. It's going to fit, you know, it's going to manifest in my life in this way. It probably will and probably manifest in other ways, like eight other, uh, eight other ways. You know, like I was like restricting thinking, oh, okay, yeah, I'm called to, you know, Indonesia. I'm called to Hawaii. I'm called to Tahiti. I'm called to Fiji. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Um, somebody's got to go. There's people there. And... Uh, <laughs> And there happens to be some waves there. But anyways, <laughs> yeah, Nick's like, take me with you. Um, 
but it's this place of being secure in your calling. You know, I, I, I'll take hits for it. And I'm like, yep, no, this is what I'm called to do. Like that actually helps me a little bit more. You know, sometimes, you know, and that's one thing that you need to have is you need to have friends. You need to have people that champion your dreams. That, uh, Jesus. Okay, so I don't have time to go into all this stuff, but Jonathan and his armor bearer, where, armor, where Jonathan's armor bearer was connected to Jonathan's heart. And Jonathan goes, hey, I have a great idea. Not a God idea, just a great idea that the spirit of fear has been paralyzing our nation and we're all hiding out in caves. I think we should go take out that Philistine outpost and just take him out. Like, and the armor bearer is like, hey, whatever is in your heart, I'm, I'm with you. And you need people that have your heart. You need people that, I love to hear my friends' prophetic words. I love it. I love hearing my friends' prophetic words. That, that I, when I hear the prophetic words, I'm like, okay, you know, how can I help them step into those prophetic words? Like I, I got a word, and this will be kind of a, a double duo kind of uh, story, uh, and two different points that I'll articulate, is stewardship and then having friends. But I got a prophetic word from Larry Randolph in 2003 that I would see hospitals clear out. And I have an anointing for healing to see hospitals clear out. So I'm like, all right, well, then, I, I, you know, breakthrough doesn't come from sitting on the couch. You know, like you don't just like sit down and just wait for, you know, invitations to come from Reinhard Bonnke or whatever. Like you have to go out and do something. You have to, you know, not despise the day of small beginning and say, hey, how do I steward this dream? How do I, how do I start walking it out? And maybe it's not the full manifestation, but this is the, the beginning steps. And there's practical things that you have to do. And it, there's just, it's good when you have forward motion. Dear Lord. So I had this prophetic word, and I'm like, okay, how do I step into that? So I'm like, I'm going to start going to the hospital. So I start going to the hospital, and I start making, you know, friends with the nurses. I start bringing them cookies. I start making them, you know, like writing them cards, like prophetic words. And then I say, hey, I would love to provide a service of prayer, of spiritual prayer. Can I do that, like, in the cancer ward? And they're like, well, how about you start in the waiting room, you know, and you could pray, like, for families and stuff like that. And I'm like, all right, sweet. Like, sign me up for that because I'm building equity. I'm building trust. I'm not despising the day of small beginnings. Like, this is the beginning stages of my hospital clearing out ministry. And that starts by giving away cookies and prophetic, like, cards, words of encouragement, building trust with the nurses and the staff because we're going to have an issue when everyone gets cleared out of the hospital. Like, these people are going to maybe be unemployed. So, like, you should have some heart connections, you know? Like, like yeah. so anyways, so... <clears throat> So then they, like, started, like, hey, why don't you go and pray? Like, you, you could go into the cancer ward and, and provide a service. And this is about a year later. And I started praying for people that are in the cancer ward, and people started getting healed and checked out. And it was really cool. But it wasn't, like, the whole hospital. Like, I did that for a couple more years, and I was like, okay, that's sweet. And I started going to, like, hospitals in Africa and all stuff and seeing, like, you know, measures of breakthrough there. And then it was 2011, I went to Nebraska, and it was me and Joaquin Evans again, and we went to Nebraska, and uh, we had everyone go on outreach, and they all came back, and this one group is sharing this testimony, how God had them on this treasure hunt, and they ended up in, in the front of the hospital, like the, the, the front parking lot of the hospital, and they were praying for this lady who um, just got done with surgery on her shoulder, and the moment she gets healed, these ladybugs, like two ladybugs land on her. 
And I'm like, and so sorry, like I don't have the greatest amount of time to, you know, break that down. But that's the other thing is God speaks in so many different ways. And, and he speaks to you individually. Like, like there, there is something special about you and how you receive. Like he wants, he, you guys are new creations. When you ask Jesus to come into your life, you become a new creation. And it says in Hebrews 5 that your physical body was made to discern the presence of God. Your physical body. Jesus, I'm getting off topic, and I'll maybe circle the wagons to get back to that, but, but <laughs> keep going. <laughs> well, no, it's true. Like, I, Bill Johnson, he, he, I remember him telling me about this, um, that every time he would talk about revival or healing, he started noticing, man, whenever I touch those subject matters, my left hand goes on fire. Like, my, land, my left hand's hot. And he's like, Chad, I must have had 20 years of conversations where that was happening, but I wasn't connecting the dots. And now I've started connecting the dots of, oh, wow, this is a mandate on my life. And when I begin to steward that mandate, when I begin to just discuss that mandate, physical things start happening to my body to give me clues and awareness of, yes, you're on the right track. You know, Julia, when the spirit of prophecy comes on her, she feels light, like electricity go up and down her legs. She's like, oh, the spirit of prophecy is here. I feel electricity going up and down my legs. Like, I remember being in the school of ministry uh, in 2002, and Julia and I started dating, and she would love, like, while I was driving or sitting at church, she would, like, massage the back of my neck, and everything would, like, go haywire. And I was like, well, what in the world is going on? And I talked to Bob Jones, and Bob's like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, uh, that's your eye gate and all this stuff. I'm like, what in the world is that? You're like, yeah, you, you, you have to find out where that is and, you know, all this stuff. And I'm like, what in the world? Like, that's your discernment, everything. And I'm like, okay, wow, there's something with the back of my neck. And so with that, I started noticing, man, what's up with the back of my neck? And then I started, like, I started connecting the dots of years earlier. For years, I would be praying for people for healing, and I would feel wind in the back of my neck. And I would be like, man, is there an air conditioning right above me? Like, what is going on? Why is it like there's air blowing in the back of my neck? And then I, then Bob starts telling me, like, that's your eye gate. And I'm like, Bob, I feel wind in the back of my neck all the time when I'm praying for healing. He goes, that's because you have two healing angels that are assigned to you, and that's going to give you faith that when you when you feel that cool wind, there's those healing angels are being activated. And really, like, I, I don't know if I, I don't think I've ever shared the story with you guys about the grocery store, but I'm sure you guys have maybe heard of it. Um, I went to a grocery store, a bunch of people got saved and healed. It was awesome. But, but what happened was, is I saw this lady who had hearing aids, and it started not with a word of knowledge, just simple, you have hearing aids, I don't need any other clues, let me just pray for you. You know, like, it's very, very simplistic. You know, you see somebody hobbling around. You don't need angels from heaven to come down to say, hey, this is, this is a good idea. You should pray for them. Like, like, you don't, you know, sometimes it's just like the spirit of obvious. So, so anyways, I, I pray for her, and she gets completely healed. And it was the moment that she gets healed that I feel this cool wind in the back of my neck. And I'm like, oh, wow, that means there's two healing angels here. And, and there's more that God wants to do. So I begin to connect my faith and then suddenly get downloaded with a bunch of words of knowledge. But that wouldn't have happened if I wasn't starting to connect the dots and understand the way my physical body functions under the presence of God. Jesus. But we're all made differently. So we all get to go on this journey with the Holy Spirit where he's activating your senses. And I remember being in first year where the Lord's like, hey, Chad, I want to activate your senses in the spirit realm. Because, you know, we have like a group, you know, like of the prophetic people that are seers. And I love them. And I definitely am a seer as well. And what's awesome is 
I'll backtrack. When you have somebody in, that's not saved, that's somebody just in the world, and they see some, a boy who's blind, they're easily going to say that's injustice, right? Like this is wrong, this boy not being able to see, not being able to see a sunset, not to be able to see birds, not to be able to see, you know, waves crashing. Like that's, that's injustice. And why is it in the church in some places or in some, you know, times we say like, oh, you aren't able to see God? Well, that's greater faith. You're blind spiritually, that's, that's, that's greater faith. Jesus. So when you're a new creation, God, is, it, it, is, it is God, he activates your senses and it's, you know, there's maybe things that we do to shut it down in the areas of, man, I'm, I'm seeing like floaters or there's something wrong with my eyes or whatever. Like, no, no, it just starts with this place of Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving prepares the way for increase. You know, that, that, that you begin to notice, oh, so anyways, I went through this journey in 2002, where the Lord's like, hey, I want you to wake up at 3 a.m., go to the prayer chapel, and turn off all sounds, turn off everything, all stimulation, and you just be in my presence and watch me activate your senses in the spirit. And I started hearing, like, you know, like people running around, and I'm like, okay, what is going on? Like, okay, I'm like, and then, like, you know, like, and I started hearing instruments that I've never heard before. I started hearing voices I've never heard before. So I started bringing my friends, like, make sure I'm not crazy. And, and so, and I'm like, okay, what are you hearing? And they're like, I'm hearing people like running, like footsteps. And I'm like, okay, good, that's good. I'm getting the same thing. And then we started hearing people preach, and we would write down notes, and I'd go to Bill and be like, Bill, I, I heard this sermon. Like, and he's like, whoa, 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 come with me. And he took me into like this private library. This is 2002. And he would like pull out like sermon notes from Catherine Coleman or or from uh, William Seymour or or John Alexander Dowie, and he's like this this is what you heard. This is like word for word what you heard. Like you heard John Alexander Dowie preaching. You know, like I'm like okay, this is crazy. And but he started just activating my senses. And and during this time, I went to go do um, a ministry trip up in Washington, and I was getting ready to speak. And it was you know me and a couple of friends, my parents. And I, I, we went in the back of the church, and we just started smelling this fragrance. We're like, what is this fragrance? This is like the fragrance of heaven. This is amazing. And we're just like smelling. Like our spiritual, you know, senses are being activated where we are smelling, you know, taste and see that God is good. Like, like it's not okay that you just see in the spirit. It's not okay that you just hear in the spirit, that you would feel in the spirit, you would smell in the spirit, you would taste in the spirit. Like, like, like he's activated your senses. You're a new creation. It's an injustice if you're not seeing, if you're not hearing. There is no condemnation with that. It's just what is accessible, what is available, what is your birthright as a son or daughter of God. Like this is what's available. And God doesn't like raise up spies to tease the rest of the body of Christ. He raises up spies so that it's an invitation, like one person's breakthrough is the corporate grace, and it's our ability to, to rejoice and to celebrate other people's breakthrough that releases the breakthrough for our own lives, which is a whole other deal. But anyways, going back to ladybugs. See, we went all the way back there. So God speaks to us in so many different ways. Like, it's all about friendship, right? Uh, the reason why I love the prophetic is I have, I have such a value for his voice that I have such a value for him that I love spending time with him. Probably, I would say, I don't have like a, a chart at home, but I would say about 15, 20% of what he says to me, I release. 
you know, about personally, corporately, all that stuff. Like there's a lot more than the prophetic than just releasing that, that as you going on a journey with God, that, that you're hearing his voice, you're catching his heart and that your, your, your friendships with him, like you're friends with him. And who here has best friends? Okay. If you don't, we can help you out with that. But, but when you have best friends, you have certain subject matters that you talk a lot about, right? Whether it be shopping, whether it be food. For Nick and I, it would be surfing. Like, we're going to talk about surfing. You know, like, like that's probably be one of the things that we talk about at lunch is we have this amazing contest that's going on in the Central Coast and all this of stuff. So we'll probably talk about it. Like, like, you have certain subject matters that you talk a lot about with your best friends, right? Well, God's favorite subject matter is people. So me and him hanging out, like he's going to talk about you guys a lot because that's his favorite subject. And that's why I love the prophetic is because this is his favorite subject is human beings. So he's going to talk to me a lot about human beings. It's his favorite subject. It's become my favorite subject. You know, that I remember somebody asking me, Chad, how much do you pray? And, and I was about ready to tell them, you know, like I've gone through different seasons of fasting, different seasons of, of prayer. And the Lord's like, you need to tell me pray 24-7. And I'm like, God, no, no, no. You're like, you know my prayer life. I do not pray 24-7. He goes, no, Chad, you don't understand. Like your spirit is in communion with my spirit 24-7. And that is your privilege and opportunity to be connected, to learn to be aware of my presence every moment of your life meaning that you are invited to be best friends with him every moment of your life. That, and, and I had this like just hitting me. I feel like I forced Gump my way into this lifestyle because the Holy Spirit would wake me up at 7 a.m. at 6.50. Like, 7 a.m. was my favorite TV show, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And, uh, and I was seven years old. And so he'd wake me up like 10 minutes before the show and run down, get like Honey Nut Cheerios. And me and the Holy Spirit would watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like, like I've had crazy encounters. I've had crazy like assignments, mandates, impartation in movie theaters. Okay, so let me just hit this whole deal. Because you, in order to have a, a friend, friendship, like if you just have a friend where you, you know, you discover someone at work, let's go with that. You discover somebody with work, like, hey, I'm driving with this person. Like we're, we have a heart connection going on. Like we're having some fun. If it just stays restricted to the, the, the friendship stays restricted just to work, it's going to be a very poor, not multidimensional friendship. And if we just think of God as ministry and what we do, like, okay, it's ministry, ministry. No, 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 it's friendship. And out of friendship, ministry happens. Fruit just happens. Signs and wonders follow those that believe. Jesus telling his disciples in John 14, you know, 10 and 11, hey, like, let the miracles themselves validate my relationship with the Father. So, like, I love that. I love the signs and wonders. I love the miraculous and the intentionality that needs to come with that. But you need to understand it's all about this place of friendship. It's all about this place of relationship, this place of dreaming with God, this place of, you know, the prophetic. All, this, uh, all it is is this place of relationship. Jesus. And if you just have a working relationship where you're not having fun, you're not like, you know, where you're going out to do fun things. 
you know, that's outside the working environment, like going to lunch, going to play basketball, going to go surf. I'm just talking about some of the stuff that I would do. You know, I, I mean, I could, I love just trying new things. Like my wife is completely opposite than me in a lot of ways. And she's helped me discover the spa, which is a place that I totally discover God in now. I mean, I'll never forget, like, like I was dating, you know, I went back to the quantity thing and not the quality thing. Like, my wife taught me about quality. And, and I mean, when I was going to be a missionary in Indonesia, uh, I wanted to save money. I was 20 years old, so I went to McDonald's uh, five days a week and got 29-cent hamburgers and 39-cent cheeseburgers. And that's how I did it, you know. Like, that's, that's how I saved my, my money. But she, she bought me a massage on my 21st birthday and we were dating. And it was this lady who's this intercessor. She gives me an hour-long massage. I've never had one. I'm like, this is a waste of money. It's $60. We could be, I could buy 60 hamburgers with that. Like, like what in the world? You know, like I want to feed the kids or something, you know? So anyways, I literally get this massage and I get taken up to heaven and I have this crazy encounter about like honor and like the, the Lord gives me this, like he like gives, he's, he, he gets me already in this armor. And then it was like the armor of honor. And also this is back in like 2003, like I, no, 2002. You know, like, like these are significant encounters and it happened from me getting the massage. Like you just never know. So anyways, God speaks to us in so many different ways. And one of the ways that he speaks to me is through animals and creation. And so uh, you just need to understand, like I'm just trying to break your box a little bit and understand that God is, doesn't have a box and he wants to, he's always speaking. And to understand how to lean in, understand that it's a place of relationship, it's a place of friendship, like, like to have a dynamic relationship, a dynamic relationship with my wife. Like we've got to have fun to be like, like that's got to be a part of, of our relationship. Fun. Which if you ever find yourself born in church, God's not the one with the problem. Like I remember I had a dream, I had a dream that I uh, came to this tree and the base of the tree said goodness. And I saw all these branches and one branch said prophetic and had all these leaves and fruit on it. Another branch healing, all those leaves and fruit on it. And then I saw this one branch that had no leaves, no fruit on it and it said fun. And I heard the Lord say, Chad, this is one of your greatest mandates in life is that you would articulate to the church and to the world how fun I am and how that's connected to me being good. I mean, like, in order to have a thriving, dynamic relationship, you need to have fun to be one of the ingredients, right? So Jesus, I love having fun and discovering God in fun. And so, anyways, I'm getting way, well, I'm not getting way off, but the wheels are coming down. The wheels are coming down. We're circling the runway. We, we, there's another plane that's about ready to land. We just need to wait, like, three more minutes. And then we could, we could start the landing procedures. So <laughs> dreaming, you know, uh, um, back to the whole uh, ladybug deal is God will speak to me through animals constantly. And so anyways, we're walking the beach. And this ties into the, the video you just saw is uh, we're, we lived in Corona del Mar for a season. And, uh, and it's where the Jesus people movement happened, the birthplace of the Jesus people movement. It's where they baptized uh, everybody, uh, it, like tens of thousands of people. And so we were walking this beach where they baptized everyone in the Jesus people movement. And we're on date night and the ladybug, land, like this ladybug lands in my, on top of my head. It's like in my hair. 
And I'm like, what? There's like a ladybug in my hair. And Julie goes, no, 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 don't do anything. It's prophetic. And I'm like, okay, a ladybug is on top of my head. So we like, we do the whole walk on the beach. It's a good like 30 minute walk. And then we're getting to the car. And I'm like, okay, hon, like this ladybug needs to, no, 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 it's prophetic. And I'm like, all right, well, then let's just hang out a little bit longer around the beach then. Um, uh, I, I feel like this thing's like, you know, uh, making a nest in there. And, and so eventually I, I take the ladybug, put it in the bushes. And about a week later, I walk into this conference that I was doing with Bob Jones up in Seattle. And I walk into the hotel foyer and Bob goes, hey, boy. I'll give you a little Bob Jones impersonation. I'm not going to maybe do it the best, but I'm a California kid trying to do the Arkansas accent. But anyways, he's like, hey, boy, the anointing's on your head. And I'm like, oh, thanks, Bob. Thanks so much. Yeah, the anointing. Yeah, it's on me. Yeah. He's like, no, 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 there's a ladybug on your head. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Whoa, like I just had this whole like date night whole thing. And, and, and he starts talking to me about how ladybugs represent the anointing. And, and so I started doing research on ladybugs, and ladybugs, with the farming community, ladybugs are known as defenders of the harvest. So I have this whole thing that I start, like, learning and discovering, this theme of ladybugs, and, like, you know, and, and so uh, the next year, I go to Chicago to do a healing conference with Joaquin, and, uh, and this, is, this is, like, this is way back yeah, this is like in the um, late 2000s. And so anyways, we go to this healing conference, and this guy, this pastor goes, hey, I have um, the key to John Alexander Dowie's house. Would you like to go and pray there? And me and Joaquin were like, yeah, we'd love to. And we had an afternoon flight, and so we got done with the conference Sunday night. We had an afternoon flight on Monday, and we're like, okay, hey, well, it takes us two hours to drive there, and then it's an hour back to the airport. So uh, he tells us, hey, can we do a healing meeting, like, like, a lunch he healing meeting. And I'm like, I think that's a little too crazy. Can we just go there and pray? And then we'll, you know, we'll go back to the, and he's like, okay, sure, sure. And it's, and it's, you know, it's winter time. There's snow on the ground. And we end up coming and there's 80 of his closest friends there that all need healing. And we're like, okay, can you let us have 10 minutes, you know, in, in, in his house alone? And so they're like, okay, sure. We give us the keys. We walk up. It's snow on the ground, winter time. We walk up to the door. We're about ready to put the key in and we realize there are hundreds of ladybugs on the doorway of John Alexander Dowie's house, which Bob tells us ladybugs represent the anointing. So this anointing that we, you know, is on Dowie's house, like the anointing is on Dowie's house. We're about ready. And I put the key in and I turn and all the ladybugs jump off the doorway and onto Joaquin and I. So the anointing that was once on Dowie's house is now on us. And we're like, okay, yeah, yeah we don't need to pray anymore. We don't need to redig the wells. We've got it. Send everybody in. And the 80 people get healed. Like, like everyone, deaf ears. One kid had a cerebral palsy, was in a, like a wheelchair strapped in a seatbelt, totally got healed. Leg was three inches shorter than the other. The leg grew out. His dad was, was uh, a blind. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Legally blind. He didn't have a driver's license. He had these like glasses, the, you know, like the, they were just huge saucers and he watches his son get healed and he, he gets, he gets healed uh, while he watches his son get healed. And, but there was this like wave of healing. And so there's this ladybug deal, you know, I'm just trying to give you a couple different points of contact for this context of man, the God's teaching me the language of heaven through ladybugs, like, you know, and just understanding, well, what's going on? So back to Nebraska, these guys share this testimony about the hospital connecting the hospital cleared out. 
this was, this was a master. I'm so happy that we brought them all back together. I feel like we're in set, we were in inception and we're breaking through the dreams back again. You know, like, so anyways, yeah. Um, so, so, so back to Nebraska and me and Joaquin Luger are like, whoa, this is like the ladybug thing. We need to all go to the hospital and pray. So we have like a team of 30 people. We all like jump in buses and stuff. We go to the hospital and nothing happens. We're like, okay, like nothing's significant. Nobody gets healed. And we're like, okay. And then we leave and we do the conference that night. And the next day we have these nurses that come to the conference to tell us, hey, um, like 70% of the hospital has been cleared out. 70% of the hospital has been cleared out. Like you guys left and people like, you know, minutes, hours later just started like, hey, I'm, I'm healed. Like I don't have any more of the effects of this disease anymore or this condition. And they were being checked out of the hospital. And yes, this became a problem in the areas of where 70% of the hospital is cleared out. They had to start letting go nurses and doctors and the church that we were working with that had to like hire some of them part-time. And then, you know, the hospital steadily fills back up. And then we come back a year later, and the moment our plane touches the ground, people started getting cleared out of the hospital again. And the nurses came to us and said, man, did you guys land at 1 o'clock? Because that's when the first wave of people got cleared out. And, like, and we're just like, oh, Jesus, this is amazing. But, it, but it's this place of just following the Holy Spirit. Like, how does he talk to you? Like, your physical body was made to discern the presence of God, that he talks to you in so many different ways. And, and it's this place of stewarding your dreams. This place of having friends like Joaquin Evans, where we're on this journey together. And he's like, yes, remember that? Like, what happened to us with that? And what happened, like, like, to have history with friends that you dream with and that you step into the dreams. And I remember... Uh, this is, oh, uh, I am wrapping this up because you guys are amazing, so hungry. And I get like one, one shot with you guys. So uh, I remember being at Denny's and it was after a Sunday. It was Sunday night at midnight and we were talking. We were 21 years old and we were talking about what we were going to do for the rest of the night. And I suggested, like, we had prayed for people for like 13 hours that day. And that was pretty normal for us. Uh, I love that. Like, just really quick disclaimer, it's, it's all about opportunities, like, if you want to grow, just grab and seize opportunities. Like, just, just be hungry and saying, hey, I'm just going to pray for everything that moves. And then you start growing in it. And you start like, okay, you know. And, and, there's, and the, the deal is, is God will teach you for the rest of your life how to say yes and how to say no. You'll never, you'll never get to a place where, okay, my yes, like, like we're good. Like, I, I've said yes enough. Like, no, I'm not kidding. That's a whole other thing. So, anyways... To learn how to say yes and learn how to say no. But, uh, but in the moment you get really good at saying yes, God teaches you how to say no all over again. In the moment you get really good at saying no, God teaches you how to say yes all over again. So it's just a crazy cycle with the Lord that you should just say, hey, I'm with it. I will learn how to say yes and no. And, and so anyways, Jesus. So I'm at Denny's, it's midnight, and, and, I, and we're talking about what we're to do. And I'm like, hey, guys, let's go get a movie and then let's eat some ice cream. And, and my friend goes, Chad, no, let's go to the hospital and pray for people. And I'm like, no, like we prayed for people for 13 hours. Like, like you know, let's, let's just, just rest together. Let's have fun together. And, 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 and Bobby, you know, who's my roommate, looks at me and goes, Chad, do you remember the word that Larry Randolph gave you? 
You remember that word? Like, like he told you, he said that you have an anointing clear out hospitals. I want to do that with you. I want to go clear out hospitals with you. And it's so refreshing to have friends that know your dreams and they say yes to your dreams. Because you ever been around like, you know, like some wisdom that Joseph should have had, you know, like maybe he should have kept some of his dreams, you know, to people that he trusted that had his heart. Because I remember I, I've shared dreams with people and they will just like cut me down. And it's such a bummer. Like it's, it's such a, you know, it just kills that momentum. Like, oh, I know you. You'll never do that. That's going to cost $100,000. And you're a horrible executor. And you have nobody on your team that could, you know, I'm like, oh, my gosh. You're giving me a list of reasons why I'm not. But there's something about getting around people where it's like a crazy dream. Like I remember, like I'll be around Lou Engle. And you think, like, you know, it's at restaurants, it's at airports. Like, he's doing this everywhere. And I remember being with him, and, like, we were going through the TSA line. And, 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 and he's just, you know, Chad, the Lord just spoke to me and told me to go on a 10-day fast to launch my 40-day fast. And we're in, like, the line of TSA. Like, I'm thinking about, like, do I have a laptop in my backpack? Do I need to remove it? And he's just like, we need to go on a 10-day fast to launch our 40-day fast. And I'm thinking, Lou, that's the spirit of stupid. Like, like if you're going to launch a 40-day fast, we should go to, like, Vegas or something like that and camp out at a buffet bar and we feast for 10 days. Like, but out of your heart, your mouth speaks. And when you're connected to people, when you're connected to dreamers, they say dreams that don't fizz, like they naturally make sense, but you're connected at the heart and you say, hey, what can I do to help you? And I look at Lou, I'm like, hey, I will go on a 10-day fast. I didn't say 40-day, but I said, I'll go on a 10-day fast with you. That was the level of heart connection I had with Lou. But anyways, Jesus. I really believe that it's pretty amazing what God's doing in this house and really being a forerunner of, of other houses in America and around the world of knowing what a prophetic culture looks like. And you need to understand, like, when you're in a prophetic culture, it's really hard not to step into your destiny. You have to work really hard not to step into your destiny. Because you're not just waiting for, like, the prophet to give you a word. Like, it's going to be the children workers. It's going to be, you know, your, your, your kids' friends, you know, picking them up from childcare. Which, parents, please bring up, pick up your children. Um, and have, have an encounter with the Lord. Uh, but, but really, I believe that the Lord is establishing this place as, as a real prophetic community. And that when you are involved in a prophetic community, it's really hard for you not to step into your destiny because you're constantly reminded of your destiny. And I just want to just release, like, that this prophetic, one of the manifestations of the prophetic is honor, is value. And you have in 1 Peter 2.17 where it has the famous scripture, honor everyone. And what I love what you guys are doing is that every person that comes through that door is going to feel completely honored, completely valued, completely seen. That, that there's no one in here that's thinking, oh, I don't think they're going to step in the fullness of their calling or I know their, their past or whatever. Like, no, no, like you guys are able to carry how the Father sees each person and how to honor, how to love and I really believe that God is establishing just a prophetic community to another level in this place that you guys have each other's back, that you guys are going to run together as dreamers. 
and that the Lord is raising up Jonathan and David's in this place. And so just stand up with me. Just put your hand on your heart. You guys are amazing. Lord, we just thank you for dreamers. We thank you, Lord, that this is such an amazing prophetic community. Lord, I just thank you that you're taking them together, that you're raising up Jonathan and David's that run together, that understand that there's a heart connection, that understand your breakthrough is my breakthrough and that we're going to run together. And so, Lord, I just thank you for this house. And I thank you, Lord, that you're activating their senses in the prophetic, in the spirit, that, that they would begin to see, they'd begin to hear, they'd begin to feel, they'd begin to smell, they'd begin to taste. Lord, they would begin to be activated to another level in following your heart, that, that they would be even connected to how they've been physically made to discern your presence. And Lord, I just break off hope deferred. I break off hopelessness. I break off disappointment. I break off disillusionment. Some of you, you you've taken risk in the past and you, you felt like you, 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 know, you fell in the water and this whole thing of I'll never do that again. We just, we just break that off and we say, let the winds blow again. That there just be a resurrection anointing that it's safe to dream in this house. It's safe to dream in this house. And that, no one is looking at you in this house and thinking, ah, I don't know if they're going to step in the fullness. But that that this, there is such a, a momentum deal here. That there's, like, what I'm seeing is we had all this stuff about ships, you know, daughtership, sonship. And then Nick had this whole prophetic word about a ship being in the glass bottle and coming out and becoming full size. I believe that there is this, like, ship deal where, where it's like the prophetic is wind in the sails. And, and I feel like the prophetic is about ready to skyrocket to another level in this house where you're going to feel like there has been momentum released for you. And so I just, uh, wherever you have felt stuck, we just release a breaker anointing where you would feel momentum from this house, that you'd feel momentum from this community, this family, that that they honor you, they value you, that they are saying yes and amen to what the Father has formed inside of you and that you are going to step in the fullness of your calling. We break off any lie from the enemy that's trying to tell you that you're going to die before you step in the fullness of your calling, that you're, you're never going to step in the fullness of your calling because of this, because of that, because of something you did in your past. We just break that off right now. And Lord, I just thank you, Lord. I just pray too for anyone here that has physical heart conditions from hope deferred. I pray, Lord, that you would crash in right now with the spirit of hope and that you would resurrect dreams. If you've been inspired by this message, we invite you to partner with us by visiting storehousedallas.com forward slash give.